You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 905 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you on a Friday evening, a little bit of a bonus podcast. I was not planning to podcast again before Saturday's game, but as a man of the people, I decided to jump in after some newsy stuff dropped earlier today. I would encourage you to check out yesterday's podcast with Ben Pfeiffer on the NBA Draft. That is a fun conversation for your listening pleasure. And In addition to that, we had four episodes already this week, so that's a total of five. This is number six of the week, and that's before the Saturday game. So we are grinding on the podcast, and hopefully you guys are enjoying the content. Please subscribe and do all that fun stuff. Uh, Before we get into the athletic article that caused quite a stir on Friday morning, I want to start with some nuts and bolts stuff from a basketball standpoint. On Friday, the Hawks did practice on Friday after having the day off on Thursday, and Lloyd Pierce announced that Onyeka Kongwu and Tony Snell both took part in the practice and played 5-on-5 on Friday. That is the next step for both of those guys, and the first time, at least that the Hawks have acknowledged publicly, those guys have played 5-on-5, so that's a step forward, and we'll talk about Snell again in a second. That was a very, very positive update from Pierce. Also, I'm going to play some audio for you from Lloyd uh, in the pregame, I guess the day before the day before practice set up post-practice, and uh, he was pretty encouraged in terms of how, uh, how, how the practice looked on Friday. Um, first, he was asked about the veteran voices that the Hawks have been talking about and uh, kind of how, how loud the how loud the gym has been, how, how quiet the gym has been, kind of how it's been around the team in the last couple of days. And he joked first about how most of those guys are actually not available right now due to injury between Gallinari and Rondo, etc. But I did want to play for you the part of the answer after that, where he got into being happy about the practice itself today and the nature of the early part of the season. We had a great practice, but it was great to practice today. And that's kind of a, a hidden message. Uh, but no, you know, the voices that that we rely on in the veteran side that we rely on are, are on the sideline and, and trying to work their way back. But the energy hasn't dropped off the, um, you know, we'd like to see the energy better in, in crucial parts of the game. But I think the voices are have been tremendous. I think they're communicating well with each other. They're trying to learn each other still. Uh, eight games in, we see ourselves kind of where everyone else sees themselves. I think Phoenix and uh, Philadelphia are at the top of the list with two losses and everybody else is in the same area. Um, still identifying who they are and what they're capable of. You know, one explosive game one night and a, and a struggle the next. Uh, we're in the same boat, and, uh, you know, it, that's just how this season will be. I think in a lot of cases, sometimes you wish you could play back-to-backs because you can get right back to the game um, because the practices you're not going to get a whole lot of in terms of adjustments and growth because there aren't really practices. They're glorified film sessions and walkthroughs. And so you're, you're doing more talking than you are actually, you know, uh, getting back to the action. And we, we need to get back to action. And that's why it was great to practice today, because this was one of those few and rare opportunities where we do get to play live. And we played a lot of contact. As I sort of got into yesterday, there's not a lot of downtime in the schedule right now. And that's kind of what you hear that with Pierce being excited to actually be able to practice. The Hawks having two days off for the first time in about two weeks in between games. That's uh, definitely noteworthy there. In a similar vein, Cody Chaffins of Fox 5 in Atlanta asked if it was uh, sort of too much being made of the downturn for the team the last few games after the hot start, and Pierce talked more about the context there. The, the way we are, I'll say it, 
we probably made too much out of the way the season started. Are we making too much about, you know, a few losses in a row? Um, no, I mean, that's what your job is to do. I think, um, you know, you know, when you go across the league and you say, holy crap, Nick, Nick Nurse and the Toronto Raptors are one in six. You say, oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, you look at the teams. I, I think it's just how the season is. I think sometimes we have preconceived perceptions of what teams should be. You know, everyone was calling New York a bad team. Well, they've won four straight games. So it obviously wasn't just us. They're pretty damn good. They're pretty tough. Um, you know, Phoenix had a great run in the bubble and they had CP and they're leading the lead in, in defense right now. Whoever would thought Phoenix would be leading. You can't say Phoenix of old is just what it is. And they've got to find a way to sustain it as well. Uh, but this is a different year and it's different situations. Every roster has turnover and there's going to be some ups and downs. Who would have thought Brooklyn would beat the number one team last night without KD and Kyrie? Um, you know, they were having their struggles with those guys and they're finding a rhythm without them. And so it, it, it's it's there's growth in everything. One of the things I think you look at a team like that is their their growth is they're trying to find some rotational guys and trying to stick with it. And so when their main guys come back and we're doing the same, we're missing a really steadying voice on the court in uh, Gallinari. And so we're trying to find some other guys that will play different parts because when he's back, he is the guy, uh, you know, Rondo is our vocal and kind of intellectual leader. Gallo is a guy that I can already tell will settle us because he can get to the free throw line. And sometimes you don't need a big basket. Sometimes you need to just slow the game down and a free throw slows the game down. And so until then, you look at a, the rest of our guys and you're trying to figure out, well, where can we best use them and how can we best use them and position them and how can they gain some uh, some some relationships in the interim so that they're a little bit better. Uh, I think all of our guys are comfortable playing with both Rondo and Gallo. Uh, they're trying to learn how to play with each other. And that's you know, that's what we're seeing right now. And I think we're seeing that across the league. If you're a long-time listener, you will know that's kind of my, my attitude is to kind of bring things back to the middle, not get too high, to, not, not get too low, which frustrates people sometimes, but that's kind of why I do it. And, and this offseason, I definitely would agree. It was so short, and the lead time into the season itself has been so bizarre, and I was pointing this out earlier on Twitter, but home teams, as an example of how weird it's been, home teams are losing more than they're winning this year on the whole, which just kind of never happens, etc. So... Interesting to hear Pierce sort of talk about the weirdness of the season so far, but I wanted to play that for you. Uh, this is the last thing in terms of uh, pre-game listening on the basketball side that I want to play for you. But you hear this, you hear the voice of Sarah Spencer of the AJC twice in the clip that I'm about to play for you. But she asked about Cam Reddish's recent struggles offensively, and Pierce pivoted that toward the full team side as well. Cam seems to have, I guess, kind of struggled offensively the last few games. Um, what it, what have you seen out of him and? Um, you know, is there anything particular that might be affecting him? Yeah, I, I think we've struggled the last few games. And individually, you can go down the line, and each guy has had a, had a rough go at it. And we just need to play better basketball. Uh, you know, as long as everyone's playing with the energy and, and bringing that same spirit we've had uh, from day one, uh, I think, you know, the, the basketball will balance itself out. Obviously, he hasn't made some shots. Uh, particularly from the three. Uh, I think he's been good on the basketball defensively, which is, you know, a major area of concern for me with him is, you know, being a guy that can start our defense and set the tempo. Uh, but we've struggled as a whole and, and uh, we got to get, we got to get ourselves going. He's got to get himself going. And, and I think he will. When you say um, 
get ourselves going. It seems like offensively, you guys haven't quite been at your best the last three games. Is there anything you can do to, to jumpstart that more? Or is, is there anything you're looking for? Make shots. To, well, yeah. <laughs> Before you get to the shot, is there any, is there anything in, in addition? Make, make shots. I mean, we didn't turn the ball over at a particularly high rate. I think we only had 12 for the game. Um, you know, we, we didn't make shots. We didn't get to the free throw line at the rate that we would like to, as we have been. To make or miss league, uh, we got to make shots. That gets yourself going. Uh, we got to get more stops. I didn't think they they hurt us offensively in terms of, you know, an explosive number game. Uh, but you, you got to get stops and make it hard for them to score. And we've got to make shots on our end. Um, that's a simple way of doing it. There's, there, I can be as detailed as I want to be with each guy and each coverage and each play. Uh, but in terms of just the make or miss side, we, we've got to do a better job like we did the early part of the season of making shots. It gets our rhythm. We have to find a way to get some easy baskets out in transition and at the free throw line and in the offensive rebounds. Um, but it's all going to be the same. Keep them from scoring. and We have to score better and more efficient. And, and when we're not shooting it extremely well, how can we create some easy baskets? All right. So that's a primer for you a little bit to set the table for the game on Saturday. And I know I talked about the game also on yesterday's podcast, so that's still worth a listen. But now the injury report is out as well. The Hawks um, will have their normal complement for the last couple of games. No huge surprises. With that said, a positive is that Tony Snell is now questionable for the first time this season after being out flatly in every injury report until today. He is questionable to play on Saturday. Bruno Fernando, who actually got a DNPCD on Wednesday is probable to play, so I expect him to play as well. But the guys who are definitively out number is down to four, and we'll see if Snell can play. Obviously, if he can play, I expect very little out of him in terms of you know deployment. It's a, it'll be his first game in a long time. Uh, he's not practiced a ton with the Hawks, and also even at full strength, I was not convinced that Snell was going to be a part of the rotation. But right now, with how shallow they are, they could probably use another body. And uh, just to refresh everybody's memories, Tony Snell is basically just a pure 3 and D guy. Not a great player by any means, but someone who can shoot, someone who can, who can defend a little bit, be a veteran, be in the right place at the right time, and a nice addition if they can get him back up and healthy. Also, the Hawks are favored by 4.5 points right now, according to our friends at BetOnline.ag. So, a uh, extension of a win for Atlanta, according to the betting markets. Obviously, they were favored as well at home. But Charlotte, as I said on yesterday's podcast, Charlotte is playing right now as I record this on Friday in New Orleans. So, a long trip back from New Orleans to Charlotte for a 7 o'clock tip-off on Saturday. That accounts for part of that, and the Hawks are the better team in my view, so we'll see if they can win. I expect them to play well in this game, and we'll talk more about um, the big news of the day, I suppose, on Friday morning um, in a second, but uh, that's the context going into Saturday, and I will, of course, have a podcast after the game against the Hornets tomorrow. Okay, before we get into the athletic piece that uh, people were talking about so much on Friday, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. All right, and we'll dive in now to the piece that uh, I would say solicited a lot of questions to me. And even though I had no idea the piece was coming or any of that, um, I did have to do some investigating of my own as much as I possibly can. I am not a full-time beat writer, but I, I tried my best to get some sourcing for you guys and all of that stuff. And I was at work when all this was happening on Friday, so a busy one to be sure. But if you've not read it, I would certainly encourage you to get it for, for the context of that. It's behind the paywall at The Athletic from Sam Amick and Chris Kirchner, and basically it's centered on a film session that happened on Tuesday after the Hawks blew a lead to the Knicks at home on Monday and lost that game. So this is before Wednesday's loss to Charlotte, um, but the piece came out on Friday. Most of it focused on John Collins and Trey Young with some other stuff mixed in. 
Again, I would recommend reading it, but I'll hit on a few notable parts here after getting a bunch of questions about it. And obviously, I will just point out that the backdrop of two bad losses in advance of that film session is key here. There's going to be some frustration always. And I, my overall takeaway, just as a preview, is that this is going to be overblown. I think it already has been overblown. Uh, and it's kind of the nature of the cycle that drives me crazy, quite frankly, about coverage. This is not even me picking on the reporting. You know, I think part of the job of being a beat writer and, you know, Sam Hamick being a national reporter is getting this kind of stuff and reporting it. And, you know, fans don't like it. And I totally get that as well. I'm not piling on those guys. I just think it's kind of the next thing after that, where the blame game starts and the trade stupidness begins and the aggregation cycle starts and all that stuff. It's been kind of frustrating, but broadly speaking, my reaction is to uh, think this is not, this is not nearly as big of a deal as others were trying to make of it on Friday. We'll go through now what was in the piece, at least uh, parts of what was in the piece. I won't go through the entire thing on my line because it's not my story. Um, with that said, uh, John Collins, as part of the piece, reportedly, I'm going to quote here from the piece, shared his unfiltered and un unhappy views about the way the franchise centerpiece Trey Young was running the offense, end quote. And the report cites three sources saying that Collins, quote, raised several issues about the way the Hawks were functioning with Young at the helm, end quote. This is about the previous games. The piece included discussions of getting into the offense more quickly and limiting early shot clock attempts, with Collins reportedly talking about a desire to be more involved and wanting more flow offensively. I will point out now, this is me talking now, for what it's worth, Trey Young is actually shooting the ball less in the early shot clock, less threes per, per possession and per game this season in a small sample size. So the notion of the early shot clock attempts is not really founded in this year. I'm not sure if that was part of the discussion or not, but it's interesting to, to kind of just point that out that, one of the things that people latched onto nationally was the the discussion of all these, you know, Trey takes these deep shots, and he does, but this year he's actually taking less of them, and he's taking less of them early in the shot clock as well. So that's some context that's definitely needed here in terms of what's actually happening on the court. Um, the reporting did say that there was, quote, no back and forth between the two, end quote, but also cited sources saying that Young, quote, made it clear to others that he strongly disagreed, end quote, with what Collins was saying. Collins, the only part, by the way, that was quoted from either one of the guys about this story was that Collins returned a text to The Athletic that only said, and I'm quoting now, Trey is my brother regardless, end quote. And also there is nothing from Trey in the story other than the postgame stuff. There was a couple of quotes from Trey and John, but th those were public Zoom quotes from the previous game. So keep that in mind as well. Um, you know, there was lots of talk about John Collins and his contract. I get kind of get why that was in there. Uh, there was a nugget in the story that was echoing the reporting that previously happened from Brian Winhorst about the, about Collins turning down 90 plus million dollars in an extension. That isn't new. I know it was sort of treated as new today. It was not new. We talked about it on this podcast before that ESPN had already reported. And there's some conflicting stuff in the piece about how much Collins comments um, people want to sort of ascribe to contract stuff and being in a contract year and wanting numbers and all that stuff. I think that you know, keeping it in mind is not the worst thing in the world, but in reality, I don't think I would go that route in terms of worrying too much about that angle of things in this spot. I think it'd be overzealous to attribute anything directly to that, to be sure. And also, this is now me talking and some, you know, minor reporting that I was doing on Friday, trying to run up, run up what actually happened here, talking to some people that would be in a position to know, I'll say. Um, I heard some differing accounts in the last day after talking to some people that I trust. Uh, I think some of the emotions, the motives being attributed in the piece and especially in the aggregation cycle are way too aggressive. I think it's kind of overblown, as I said before. As an example, I was told by a source that the conversation was centered on offensive droughts and trying to trying to avoid them in the, in the film session and not explicitly for more involvement by Collins himself. Um, also, I was told that some of it was centered on fourth quarters when things had not been uh, going very well for the Hawks, notably. 
And it was kind of, I would say, far less as the way that I was told. Again, I was not there, but far less about early shot clock stuff from Trey and Trey specifically. Also, in the end, you know, I want to point out again, I wasn't there. It is tough to reconcile all of the specifics here and the takeaways with some mixed information. I want to stress that's always the case with stuff like this. And we'll get into what Trey said on Friday to the media about this. There's some truth in there as well. This is a film session and guys talk. And one of the weird things about this is that it's very normal to have a film session that has some um, discussions that not, not everybody probably loves. And that's just a very normal thing in the NBA. It gets very overblown when it gets reported on like this. But uh, this is one of the reasons why I'm kind of, I'm not trying to downplay it actively, but that's kind of the way that I feel. I'm going to tell you how I feel always on the podcast. And that's kind of my takeaway from that. Um, as far as Wednesday's game, there was some talk about the way that the Hawks played on Wednesday and the loss to Charlotte, and particularly the way that Trey Young played. Trey was terrible, as I said, by his standards on Wednesday after the after that game on this podcast yesterday. I talked about that. You know, anybody that watched the game, even the biggest Trey Young fan, will tell you that he was not good in that game by his standards. So that's one thing. Um, the reporting from the Athletics cited, and I'm quoting now, at least one player end quote, saying that he believed the film session was at least one reason for Young's performance on Wednesday. I want to be clear that I do not know that to be true for the record, but it is out there as part of the reporting that's there. Uh, at the very least, it wasn't a great timing thing for that, given, given that Trey was about as bad as he's been in the NBA, honestly, in that game uh, the next day after this, after this film session occurred. I'm not in the camp of, like, Trey came out and tried to be tried to be bad. I saw some of that stuff, like, you know, Trey threw the game, all that stuff. That's That seems silly to me. With that said, he was not good, so the timing is not great there. And, uh, you know, he was listless. Listless was the word that was described. I would probably agree with that characterization, but I will not attribute personal motive without knowing what he actually was in his head there. But he just did not play well in that game. I also want to remind everyone right now that Wednesday's game happened on a very, very weird and bad day in the country, and there were plenty of players that said they didn't, they weren't terribly excited about playing basketball Wednesday. I'm not telling you that was the reason either, but that's kind of the overall context that has to be put out there. Um... Elsewhere in the story, there was reporting saying that there was a dialogue after the film session on Tuesday that included Clint Capella having a, quote, private discussion, end quote, with Trey Young. And Capella reportedly drew on his experience from Houston when he played with Dwight Howard and James Harden and kind of expressed the the words cautionary tale were used in the piece. Uh, nothing specific on that, but Clint has that experience. And obviously, I'm not going to try to talk about Harden and Dwight being the same as Trey and John. And Trey and John have famously gotten along very well prior to this, which is worth pointing out. This is not a situation where these guys have a long-term rivalry in place of any kind that I am aware of. They seem to have great chemistry on the court. They definitely do. And then off the court, I've always thought that they, that they, got, they got along well in my experience. So that's definitely important context also. Last thing... We last uh, sort of segment group here is that there was some Lloyd Pierce stuff in the piece. There was a snippet in the piece saying that the coaching staff echoed the sentiment of the Hawks need to do a better job in the, in the session um, of making the opposition work defensively, using all the weapons and avoiding early settling looks offensively. That's all true. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure that happened in the, in the session, but that's, uh, that's all real. That's all reality. I would say the report notes though, and I'm, I'm going to quote here again now from it, from the athletic, the basketball relationship between Young and Pierce continues to be worth monitoring with multiple sources saying that, that the disconnect between them remains an issue, end quote. Now, this is not a shock. Uh, going back about a calendar year now to the Chris Haynes reporting back in January, there's always been this cloud hanging over with Trey and Lloyd. I've heard a million things about this back and forth, some positive, some not as positive, plus the public, public reporting. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Quite frankly, what the relationship is there. Um, they've gotten along well. I will say this for for on Lloyd's side. I think that Lloyd's put Trey in a position to, to succeed. Uh, he gave him the keys right away. Uh, coming out of 
college in a way that not everyone would have and let him kind of run the show a lot of, in a lot of ways. So he's, he's entrusted quite a bit to Trey on the other side. Um, you know, Lloyd is not someone who's always going to be, you know, the most loving guy in the world necessarily. So we'll see what happens there. Um, none of that is surprising though. Obviously this is not a story about Pierce. I just know that in the last, you know, as I, as I talked about on the podcast, the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, week plus, Hawks fans have been upset with Lloyd Pierce and calling for his firing in some cases and all this stuff. That's overblown in my in my view, but that was part of this, and it was at least included in there that that was part of the discussion. But also in the same piece, it was reported that Pierce is in no imminent danger. That's the wording that they used. I've heard the same thing for what it's worth. I'm not necessarily uh, Woj or anything, but I've heard the same thing that he's not in danger right now. There is some concern, though, um, at least from from the piece, that it isn't only Young that, is, that expressed some concern in the past. That's been out there as well, but of course, Young's relationship... I will say is often the centerpiece of stuff that I get asked about. I think I get asked about Trey and Lloyd every time the Hawks lose a game, basically at some point. So uh, there you go on that. Um, you know, in terms of actual on the record reactions on Friday, um, it's unfortunate, but Pierce actually did not actually did not get asked about the report during Friday's immediate availability, which is frustrating. I understand people were asking why that didn't happen. For some context on my end, I have a day job. If you're a new listener to the podcast, you may not know that, but I have a day job. I'm at work during the day. And I can usually pop in to the media availability, but I'm very, very often, I would say most of the time, just able to listen and not actively be on the camera or talking. Um, with that said, I would have liked to ask. It would have been great to ask, but I, I just physically couldn't pull it off today. Uh, sorry about that. That's just the reality of it. And he didn't get the question. So I, I don't have the I don't have anything to play for you in terms of audio of what Loy would have said to the reporting. I will say that at the end of the availability, Pierce tongue-in-cheek said that he was surprised that he didn't get more questions, which was seemingly pretty obviously a nod or a reference to not being asked about the story, um, which there you go on that, but no no reaction from Lloyd that I can play for you. I will play you some Trey Young audio, however. Trey was the only player that spoke to the media on Friday. That's not abnormal by by any means. The Hawks were getting on, uh, on on the trip to Charlotte, so usually they're in much more of a hurry when they have to travel. So having one, having one player available is not a huge surprise. I know people wanted to hear from Collins today. You know, that's not that's not weird. I'm, I'm not going to say that they were covering that up by any means. And you know, Trey talking actually was more than I expected. Quite frankly, I thought the Hawks might just send somebody else out there today, given the news cycle. But Trey did speak. It wasn't terribly long. Um, but I wanted to play you the two clips, uh, sort of two questions and two answers that he gave. You will hear the entire thing here in one clip. The first question comes from Ch- Cody Chaffetz of Fox Five, and then you'll hear Sarah Spencer's voice on the follow up. Hey, Trey, report out there that that John had to feel like he needed to speak out at the in the film session the other day saying he feels like you should get the ball around more in late game situations. Can you just speak to that? Is that unusual that something like that would happen in a, in a, a film session like that? No, I mean, for anybody who's, who's been in an NBA film session, um, people talk. I mean, coaches talk, players talk. We see what we, we all say, what we um, see we can get better at. Um, when you lose, there's more things that, you feel like you can get better at than when you win, obviously. And so um, film sessions, you you talk and uh, that's how you grow as, as as a team and as players and as teammates. Um, that's just what happens. Um, following that up, can there be, you know, growth that comes from an interaction like that? And, and has that happened so far? Uh, of course. I mean, I know me and John has set the bar high for ourselves, but we're still 22 and 23 years old. Um, there's a lot we can get better at. There's, there's going to be times where we, um, uh, I mean, are going to talk, and there's going to be times when 
um, teammates are going to talk about what we see and what we feel and what we can get better at. And that's just, that's a part of basketball. It's a part of this game is you talk and you communicate. You don't always agree with each other. And that's just a part of this game that makes it so fun. And you, you, you learn and you grow as you go on. So overall, I thought Trey did a pretty good job with this. Honestly, this is the tack that he should be taking. It obviously isn't terribly revealing, and he kind of downplayed it, though, as he probably should. I think the general sentiment of these discussions happening behind closed doors is important to keep in mind. And in film sessions, it seems to be accurate from what the knowledge that I have about how teams function, how the Hawks have functioned. It's not out of the ordinary, again, as I said before on the podcast today, that guys would critique and be active. It's a closed-door thing, and there was a whole side discussion happening today in Hawksland about, at least on, on Twitter, I should say, about you know whether this should have got out, all this stuff. Listen, it's it's not ideal to have this out in public. I will say that. It would be great to have this be an internal discussion only, but in terms of what's actually been reported, there's nothing really terribly out of the ordinary and, again, explosive. So I, this is why I one of my overall takeaways as we sort of wrap this podcast up is that I don't think this is that big of a deal, at least in my mind. I think this is the kind of story that has a tendency to be overblown on its face. That, again, is not a criticism of the story or the reporting, but more of, more of the reaction to it. For example, like a lot of the reaction I saw nationally was to fire up the trade machine on John Collins, which I, I get that's just what happens, but it's just pretty silly. I think the tendency is to over-dramatize this kind of thing in the grand scheme anyway, and it's a player discussion. It's two famous guys. Trey is very famous. John is, you know, good and budding famous, and it's, it's good copy. It's good, uh, you know, it's good buzz, and it's certainly worth reporting on if you can get your hands on it, but I think overall takeaways, I wouldn't have a huge, uh, you know, I'm not going to run out and tell you that John needs to be traded or that there's this huge rift. I think they can, I think they can and probably will get along just fine and play well. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Hawks went into Charlotte and played great on Saturday and won. None of that would surprise me whatsoever. I think just, again, this is a lot, this is the kind of thing that happens more, more often than people realize and it just doesn't get reported or get out there. So I'm not as concerned. I will say it's not a great thing for the Hawks, just candidly. I'm, I'm not going to try to tell you this is this is fantastic because it's not to have this out there, have any tension at all between the, between the two best players, or have the stuff about Pierce and the staff, any of that stuff. So that has that has to be said too. It's not a super positive thing, but I don't think again from what I know and what I read and hear, and more whatever you want, however you want to say that. What what I understand to be the case is not a huge deal in my view, um, at least that in terms of it, you know the greatly affecting how it's going to be operating the team or how these guys are going to play or get along together. I uh, I wouldn't be too worried as of what I know right now. That could change, to be sure. And I'm not the guy, the kind of person who's going to come out here, come come out here and tell you that everything's fine when it's not. But I think generally this is not something that I'm terribly concerned about. To answer everyone that was asking me on Twitter today, um, just overall, I would caution people not to go not to go too crazy with any reaction on any side. Especially by the way, eight games into the regular season, something that I sort of correlated there was the the audio from Pierce earlier that I played for you before the break was about basketball. But it's also just a reminder that we're eight games into the season. The Hawks are four and four, and yes, they probably should be five and three, six and two, something like that. But this is a team that was projected to be around 500. Uh, I had them a little bit higher than that, but four and four through eight games is not a disaster by any means. There's been a lot of teams uh, not getting off to great starts, a lot of teams bunching in the middle right now. It's just so early that that's part of this as well. I think the Hawks will be fine, especially when it pertains to offense, which is kind of the funny part about this overall as we're ending this podcast is the offense has been bad the last three games, which I've pointed out numerous times, but the offense is not a concern. I think the Hawks are going to be good on offense. I've always thought that. There's no reason to think that that's, like, that's going to change now. So uh, that's kind of the ironic part about this is the offense is not really the concern on this basketball team. So there you go. If you have questions, I will be happy to answer them. Fire them at me, at BT Roland. 
I know I sort of had to tap out for a little while today, so if I missed it, fire it at me again if you'd like to. Hopefully people won't get too mad about this podcast, but there you go. Hopefully uh, we'll be back again. Of course, that's the plan on Saturday after the game, and this extra bonus content finds you well on a Friday evening into Saturday. Please subscribe to the podcast if you've not already done that. I really appreciate everyone that's already done that, but please tell your friends. If you have a Hawks fan friend in your life that has not tried the show, pass it along to them. Maybe they'll like it and subscribe as well. Rate, review, and we'll see you after the game on Saturday.